0: Before we get started, I wanted to let you know some really exciting news. My new book, The one Through one Method, which I've been working on for three years, is now available for pre-order. You can find it at Barnes & Noble and also Amazon.com. And of course, you can go into your local mom and pop bookstore and ask them to order it for you. When you do place your pre-order for the book, I want to reward you and help you get started immediately with your mindset. All you do is go to 131book, write that down, 131book.com, you'll enter your email address and your order number, and immediately, like that minute, I will send you this free mindset coaching program that I've created as a bonus, as my thank you to you for pre-ordering the book, for supporting me, for being with me along this very, very important, very personal journey. I am so committed to helping you get healthy from the inside out, improving your gut health and creating a customized approach that works without the fads, without the gimmicks, something that you can do for the rest of your life and change the legacy of health in your family. But you know what? It starts with mindset. So please take advantage of this free bonus. It's a $97 value and it's yours by going to 131book.com for more details. All right, enjoy the show, but don't forget, one through one book.com. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. You are in luck today. Today, we're talking about therapy. Now, I regularly touch on the idea of therapy in almost like every single episode, but I don't think I've ever done an episode like completely devoted to it and I get so many questions. So today, you'll get answers. Answers to the question, how do I find a good therapist? What is EMDR therapy? And how do I know if the therapist that I'm working with is the right therapist? How do I know if what it is I've been working on, I'm actually, I'm through it or I'm done, if you will? Is there a beginning, middle, and end to therapy? Or is this something I'm going to have to do indefinitely? We're going to get to all of that and so much more today with my special guest and one of my closest friends in the whole world, Dr. Michaela Sarno. Not only is she an incredible vocalist, she also happens to be a TEDx speaker and a renowned expert in the area of EMDR. In fact, She is the creator and developer of an EMDR practice called the five day intensive. It's fascinating. We won't go into that too much in this episode, but I hope that you'll check out our website to learn more about this protocol because let me tell you, five days is much easier to pull off than five years of talk therapy. She is a licensed marriage and family counselor, as well as a brain expert. Her special gift is helping people get unstuck. Her specialties include eating disorders. Past traumas, childhood sexual abuse, addiction, marriage counseling, and so much more. Her practice is based here in Southern California, but her virtual practice has allowed her to help people from all around the world. Without further ado, Dr. Michaela Sarno. Hey, Dr. Michaela. Awesome to have you here today. Thanks for having me. People really, I think, resonated with hearing us just chatting in the car about our perspectives on the Leaving Neverland documentary. Actually, I think it's still going on. Yeah. Even on your pod squad. Yeah, let's mention the pod squad. So if you are not yet a member of the pod squad and you obviously listen to the Shalene show, you better
1: get in on that action. It's an active group. It really is. And that topic is ongoing. But I notice that the same questions are continually asked about well, a lot of things, but about the parents, about the mothers.
0: Oh, I felt like watching. The Oprah follow-up special, which by the way, thank you for recommending that. I felt like that really answered a ton of, of those questions about the moms.
1: It answered for me why the boys didn't tell their moms. It really gives you an insight to the grooming process and predators and the hold that they have on children that's so powerful. It's really interesting. That's one of the reasons why
0: I wanted to have you back today because partly in response to the pod squad. And by the way, if you aren't already a member of it, it's free. So you just go on Facebook and search Shaleen's pod squad. And then you're going to have to answer a few questions to prove that you actually listen to the show. And then you're in and we just talk about different episodes. I wasn't expecting quite the response that we had. But people really enjoyed hearing a therapist's perspective. One of the questions that keeps coming up is, What's the difference between EMDR therapy and maybe the type of therapy that these two survivors have done? So can you share with us, what exactly is EMDR therapy?
1: Well, EMDR therapy, first of all, that this stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is an integrative psychotherapy approach to alleviate psychological distress, but it was created initially for trauma. And I think the thing is that a lot of people For those who do hear or know about EMDRs, they assume, oh, well, it's for trauma. That's not for me. But it's for everyday events, any memories, anything that was distressful, because when events happen, they're captured and held in time. They're stuck in time in our subconscious mind. Mm. So what we wouldn't think is traumatic or feels traumatic today, that's as an adult. But they're stuck and captured as children, adolescents, teens, et cetera perfect example of that is both the guys in Leaving Neverland. They,
0: neither of them would have described their childhood as traumatic until much, much later. In fact, until they were in therapy, were they then able to realize that it was a traumatic experience and the profound effect it had on their lives. And I hear people say this all the time. They're like, you know, this thing happened, but I'm fine. So let's start there. How does someone know that
1: they're not fine? Well, there's several things you can look for, but one of them is... When you're triggered, if you're still having triggers from something, which is. What does that mean? What does that mean to be triggered? When you have a random as, a response with a person or a thing or something happens randomly and you have feelings or thoughts or just a response that's out of context. Like you're a little bit angrier than normal or, or you're anxious for no reason or you've got all these negative thoughts and they're responses that we can't help. So when you asked, you know, the kind of the difference between regular traditional talk therapy and EMDR, With these two on stage, what we were seeing is really just stage one, which is becoming aware consciously of the trauma they've been through. They've got a whole stage two because all of that is just conscious awareness. And there's 95% more of that in their subconscious mind that they still have to grapple with. And a lot of that is going to have to do with their parents more so than even Michael Jackson
0: you haven't treated either of these fellas. So we want to put that out there. Who says fellas? Like, what am I like, 75 (laughs) years old? You haven't treated any of these guys, (laughs) dudes. But I, you know, so we have to put that out there. But you did say just from looking at them, it was really clear to you as a clinician where they were
1: at wasn't, they weren't finished. What were you seeing? The way our brain captures memory. So you could see their eyes were red and they were watery and they were very uncomfortable and sad and emotional, everything that is in a memory, it's already happened. So for us to still have a response, it's because when the memory, when the event happens, it captures the emotion and it captures a negative belief with it. Otherwise, it's no different than your local realtor putting a postcard in your mailbox, you look at this postcard, there's no emotion to it. Mm-hmm. There's no response. And that, but our, the way our brains work is what creates that response and those emotions is the emotion and the negative belief prompting that emotion associated to that event or that memory. When I was watching, I could tell that Jimmy,
0: who has started the process later than Wade, when Oprah was asking him questions, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. literally kept getting like physically smaller mm-hmm. and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And he looked so childlike. He mm-hmm. was just you know, taller man. And as he began recounting what happened and talking about his
1: feelings, he literally started to look like a little boy. What's going on there? Well, I always like to say we're all a bunch of little kids and adult Zip up suits, but that, you know, what I just shared, that was noticing their body composition, their their facial expressions. But you could also tell they're still in the trauma because the way they talk about some of the gifts that Michael Jackson gave them, the way they cherish certain things that otherwise any association to Michael Jackson would be disturbing for them. Mm -hmm. And they still have endearing thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. about him, which are that little kid that you're seeing or describing seeing that is still stuck in the trauma. Now the ego, when that happened, cuts off all of those memories. So anytime they're triggered, if they ever get out of their memory network, they're going to be right back into the same age that they were when the trauma happened. So how does EMDR
0: then take, I mean, because the memory is there. EMDR doesn't necessarily erase the memory. Can you describe how it works and then we'll talk about like literally if you someone was in a, a session, I'll share like a layman's perspective cuz I've done EMDR and then you can share with us from a clinician's perspective what's going on. When you say the the memory is reprocessed, what does that mean? Are we
1: hypnotized? No. And it, a lot of people think EMDR is like hypnotism or hypnosis, but it's actually very much the opposite because it taps into the subconscious mind. Or if you're a brain person, it taps into your memory network. And in your subconscious mind, your memory network, that's where all of our disturbing memories are held because the ego, the conscious part of our ego, rejects them because there's a negative belief associated to those events. And the goal of your conscious mind, your conscious ego, is to look and appear normal in society at all times. So if we have memories, and as they happen, If the ego unconsciously, even for a kid, unconsciously associates a negative belief about themselves, it's my fault, I should have known better, I'm unworthy, what have you, that's not helpful for the conscious part of the mind to look and appear normal in society. So the ego splits it off. But that memory that's in the subconscious mind, it's basically a bundle of data. Mm -hmm. And in that little bundle of data, that's the memory Is thought, affect, sensations, beliefs, emotions, images, even the age we were. But all of those components make up what is a personality. So now we have little personalities, which explain the little boy that you saw Mm. on the stage. And when we get triggered, we go right back into that bundle of data, which holds the perspectives, the thoughts, the feelings, everything in that memory. So then how does EMDR pull
0: us out of that bundle, if you will?
1: Well, what EMDR does is it activates, it's a bilateral movement, and it's an eight-phase protocol. One of the phases is actually eye movements, or you can have bilateral tones or bilateral pulsers. And this is a question I've always had. Does EMDR, are you creating
0: this response from using the right and left side of your brain, or is it the eyes that are doing this? You know, because I know it's bilateral. Is the bilateral to
1: help you activate both the right side and the left side of your brain? Yes. And if you're a brain person, it's right and left side of your brain. If, if you're a psyche person, it's just conscious and subconscious mind. Oh. But we know in literature, we know enough today that the brain and the psyche are not the same thing.
0: Mm. We
1: just We just don't talk about the psyche or the ego that much. But the bilateral in itself, they're just activating the right and the left side of the brain, conscious, yeah. subconscious mind. But that's not really what creates the response it's that in combination with holding an event a memory an idea the belief that's associated to it the feelings the worst part it's holding certain components of it so you're basically giving an equation to your brain when i think of this memory it does it say this about me Mm-hmm. true or false mm-hmm. and you just hold the memory of those components as you give your brain this equation and you free process so you're in the same state of mind as rem sleep mode oh. which is where your brain actually creates unconsciously these beliefs
0: that makes so much sense and i'll share my own experience you know we'll continue but i i want to share my own experience because that makes so much sense one thing i think people are, are really intimidated about when it comes to therapy is the fact that. I'm managing my life right now, like everything's good. And I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to stir this up. I think one of the appeals of EMDR therapy is you don't have to go over every single uncomfortable detail. At least I didn't with my therapist. Now, I have not done EMDR with Dr. Michaela, Brett has, and so has Sierra and many of our other closest friends and people that we've worked with. But how do you, I mean, do you have people, do they have to go
1: over every single detail or how does that work? No, you actually don't, not with this particular approach with EMDR. You don't have to go through all the details because when you're processing, so when you're holding those elements of the memory and all those things and you're watching or feeling the bilateral movement, because you're free processing, it's already coming up for you. So in between, maybe every 15 or 20 seconds, you're just giving brief random reports to your therapist about what's coming up. What do you mean by what's coming up? Meaning anything that you notice, which could be a a thought, a feeling, a sensation in their body, another memory, a random image, what they had for lunch yesterday, anything that comes up. And the therapist will just, they'll note that so they can track that you are processing. But it really isn't as important to the therapist with what comes up because it came up for you anyway. Mm. And in this approach, it's so, that's funny because (laughs) when when my
0: therapist would say, you know, what came up or whatever term he used, I was certain that he was creating some kind of meaning around what came up for me. And you're saying
1: that's not necessarily true. Well, you actually don't want to persuade the client Mm. at all. It's very important with this. So the reason why EMDR works is because all of the new meanings that are coming up, The client's coming up with them on their own, which is why, with traditional talk therapy, it might make sense, it's logical, but it's all conscious thoughts getting into the conscious Mm. part of your mind. It needs to get into the subconscious mind. And the only way it's going to do that is if that person actually makes sense of it in a different way. Hey, I've got some really exciting news.
0: We are returning. We're back on the road with the Shalene Show Live. In conjunction with my book launch party, I am taping a live episode of The Chalene Show at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on April 18th. Now that is a Thursday. Pod Squad, I would love to meet you. This is gonna be really special. I mean, they're all really special because I get to meet you and you guys get to meet each other and they're fun. And it's the ultimate girls' night out. And fellas, if you were smart, you should come with your lady or you should come to find yourself the love of your life because I have the smartest, funnest, coolest, most amazing audience, and I can't wait for you guys to meet each other. So grab your tickets now. You can find them by going to showlive.com. General admission starts at $39, and I don't know if they'll be available at the time that you're listening to this, but we did make just a few special seats available for people who basically want to spend the day with me and Brett and the team. You'll go to lunch with us. You'll hang out backstage. We'll pop some champagne. You'll help me pick out my outfit. We'll have a good time. You'll meet the drag queen who happens to be emceeing the show. Like, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Hey, don't wait. Go to ShaleenShowLive.com, and I will see you on Thursday, April 18th. Ooh, this is huge. Okay, so then why is it when people do traditional talk therapy or behavioral therapy or whatever, insert any form of therapy other than work...
1: With the subconscious why is it we feel better for a little while well <laughs> now you're getting me started because traditional talk therapy just puts you in the present mm. which is when you said earlier and people do that's like we get a foothold on life it's like we've figured out how to do it it may not be perfect we may have anxiety we may have self-doubt we may have these things but we figured out at least how to do it and people a lot of people are afraid that if I if I walk into the unknown, that I'm going to lose my foothold. I might get depressed and never get out of it. I might mm-hmm. I might lose my footing. But what most people don't realize is when we're present, we don't feel all of those things. So while people are so afraid to lose their foothold, they're in their memory network now. They assume they're in the present, mm-hmm. but they're stuck in all of their memories, mm-hmm. too. Because if you take someone who's got amnesia. They wake up in the hospital, they don't have any worries, they don't have any fears, they don't have any self-doubt because they don't have any memories telling them to think and feel the way they do. So when we're present, we are at total peace. The only things that cause us anxiety and depression and self-doubt and all those things are our memories. Mm, So when we feel those things, we're in our memories. Yeah, And we also can tell when we're present that we should feel at peace, which for a lot of people is is an eye-opener because... How often do most people feel peaceful? Yeah, not very often. So is this
0: something, you know, I, I know that a lot of people will ask, and they're talking about this in the pod squad, like it's difficult to find someone who does EMDR therapy, and the advantages are many. I know that there are some networks where you can find EMDR therapists. Can you recommend a few of those? Well, EMDR.org is probably the best. So
1: EMDR.org. EMDR.org. Mm hmm. Okay. Because all of those therapists were trained and certified by the actual EMDR Institute. Okay. So that website will list all of those accredited because anybody could probably get trained, but unless it's by the Institute, you don't want them. Mm. You know, I do remember hearing, though, from one of my listeners that they found someone who
0: did EMDR, like I think maybe even from EMDR.org. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that. But I remember her writing to me and saying, Does this sound strange? This therapist. Is EMDR certified, but they say they don't practice it, so should I be going to them for EMDR? I mean, I assume that there's probably some people out there that they've been
1: certified maybe, but don't regularly practice it. Well, I don't know anybody personally. I guess that would be one's own opinion as to why. But I think that's such a specialty, unique type of approach. And you could really mess somebody up if you don't know what you're doing. So you really want a therapist who is invested. That's why there's trained EMDR therapists and there's certified EMDR therapists. A certified EMDR therapist just has to invest in more training, more consulting. But they've got skin in the game because they've put all that investment in. And and you really want someone, in my opinion, who does it on a regular basis. Yeah. It's almost like going to a
0: personal trainer who's also a certified or a registered dietitian. And they're like, yeah, but I really don't do much with nutrition. Like, maybe that's not the person you should go to for nutrition advice. Mm -hmm. So is this something that people can do virtually? So I I know you work with a lot of people online and that you do Skype consultations. Can you do
1: EMDR that way as well? And how does that work? You can, and that depends on the client. It's kind of a person by person because we don't know what's going to come up mm-hmm. for that person. So we just want to look out for the welfare of that client. If they're all the way in Washington D.C. and something comes up that's traumatic, I'm not there to help them. Yeah. So there just has to be a relationship, you know, rapport that's built, resourcing so they feel confident, and then you just you try it out, you test it out a little bit, and just to make sure they're okay. But it's important that the Client feel confident in their own ability to go through that process if something happens. Okay, so if
0: I'm in Washington, D.C. or wherever, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm doing EMDR with you, how are you creating the eye movement if I'm watching you on a screen? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that work? I've never done that.
1: Well, I've developed kind of my own unique system or Mm -hmm. approach to doing this so that anybody can do it. From their home, in front of their computer, where I can track their eye movements. Okay, so because they're on camera, you're watching their eye movement, and they do something on their side that moves their eyes back and forth? Yes, and for proprietary reasons, I can't share my own unique system. Okay, I gotcha. But I track their eyes by watching through the computer, and I guide them through just as I would in an actual EMDR session sitting across from me in my office. that makes sense. Uh That makes sense. That's amazing. Okay. And how can people find you if they wanted to or learn more about working with you? They can either go directly to my website, mm-hmm. uh, dot or they can go directly to schedule. You can just go to drmkayla.as dot me. As? Like so me. Oh
0: mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Next question. How do I know if the therapist I'm working with is the right therapist? Man, I get that question all the time, too. In fact, you probably saw that in the pod squad. People are like, I've been to therapy. I've been to a couple therapists.
1: How do I know if I had a good one? You know, they're good because you should always, in my opinion, you should always feel like your therapist knows more than you. Oh. If you don't feel that, you're not going to have the respect and you're not going to trust I know them. what
0: you're talking about. OK, so here's another question. I think I know the answer, but. I had a therapist who, and you know this, that I I could tell I was in control of the session. I also knew I wasn't gonna divulge everything to him because I wanted to impress him. Like I wanted to be his best client. So there was no way I was gonna really tell him what I was thinking or like be honest about what I was feeling. Cause I I really wanted him to have a favorable impression of me. And I had to be self-aware enough to realize like, this isn't gonna help me. And I'm thinking too much about like, making the right impression, I've got to find somebody else where I don't feel this way. So it really wasn't even about him. It was like more about the way I felt when I was with
1: him. Mm -hmm. And a good therapist is going to call you out, Mm. is going to challenge you, is going to have boundaries would catch on or cue into the fact that you're trying to because most clients want to please their therapist. Mm. And so a good therapist is going to know that. But if you're there and you're investing your time and your money and you really want this change to happen, then you want a therapist who is going to be honest with you, Mm. who's going to be straight with you. Otherwise, you've got a therapist that doesn't have the confidence Wow. That's huge. You know, and that's the thing. Sometimes you get what you pay for.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, and there is free or low cost counseling services available on campuses. Many insurance policies cover some therapy, but I, I always say like, you know, it's your brain. It's your life. It could be the thing that's holding you back. So make a wise investment. And how many sessions should a person like how many times should I go to someone before I realize, okay, I've given this a try. It's not the right
1: fit and move on. You're going to know in one session. Mm. You're going to know if this isn't for me or you're into it. Now, if you're with a good therapist, again, in my opinion, you should be hearing things you've not heard before. Mm. It should be something new. You want to walk away feeling like, wow, I never thought about it that way or I never heard that before or otherwise. But you're going to know the very first session. That's why I always say EMDR is already an accelerated type of treatment. So one to three sessions and you see a major transformation or a difference, but just go to one. You start with one because in one session, if you're with the right therapist and they're doing EMDR right, you're hooked. Well, I know you've got to run off to a client. Thank you so much for
0: running over here on your lunch hour to do this for me. I appreciate it. One last thing I wanted to ask, and it's this. I've heard this before, and I was hoping you could describe it or explain it to me. I've heard with EMDR therapy, what's different about it is that there is a beginning, a middle, and an end.
1: What does that mean? It means with traditional talk therapy, it can go on and on and on because it's all conscious work. With EMDR therapy, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end because it focuses on three points, the past, the present, and the future. Oh, So you literally
0: like when they say an end, meaning like you resolve this memory once and for all,
1: more so you change whatever negative beliefs are stuck in your subconscious Mm. mind. Because if you think about it, roses are red and violets are blue, but they're purple. Mm. But because we don't ever go back and reprocess that or rethink it, just think how stuck in our minds violets are blue when they're actually purple. So, Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's so stuck there that we don't even realize it's stuck
0: there and we have to get it unstuck, which is why that's what you're known for. Dr. Michaela, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to continue. I'm going to say goodbye to her and then I'm going to come right back and share with you my own experience with EMDR therapy. Thank you, Dr. Michaela. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that super helpful hearing from a clinician about EMDR therapy, but I wanted to get her out of the office so that I could share with you my own personal experience, and I say that because, I don't know, I just want to describe it for you in layman's terms, if you will. I don't know, I I just kind of get self-conscious, or I second-guess myself if I describe EMDR therapy in front of her, because she's the expert for Pete's sake. And what I want to share with you is like the layman's experience with EMDR. So I started doing therapy when I was age, I'm not sure what age, but I was in fourth grade. So, I had been a victim of a dog attack. Two dogs had attacked me, ended up in the hospital getting stitches. Not that big of a deal. I mean, like, I wasn't like I was seriously injured, but enough so that, you know, I had a- these scars from it and major anxiety. Like, I was so afraid of dogs and any loud noise for that matter. I mean, there was a period of time after it, which it was very traumatic for me to hear anything loud, anything that would scare me would make me cry and kind of triggered all these emotions. So my parents were smart enough to get me into therapy as a a young kid. And I loved it. Are you kidding? Being a kid sitting in a room with an adult sitting across from you, just intently staring at you and, you know, you had their undivided attention. And so I, from an early age, always saw therapy as a positive. And I, of course, was able to resolve that anxiety and learn to love dogs and it was such a positive experience that I always looked at it as something I would do for myself, for my kids, and for my family. My kids have gone to therapy. My husband's gone to therapy. Almost every single one of my friends have done therapy. But it wasn't until I discovered EMDR therapy, after meeting Dr. Michaela, that the game changed. And when I say the game changed, like like she said, you don't have to keep dealing with the same issue that tends to... You know, rear its ugly head every couple of years or every couple of months, you literally work through an issue or a memory or a traumatic event in anywhere from one to three sessions on average. Whereas with traditional talk therapy, and I know everyone's situation is different, every therapist is different, but you know, for the most part, most people, it can take countless sessions, sometimes years, even decades without still getting to the root of the problem. So as a type A, let's get this. Let's get this over with, let's get this done. Uh, Let's take care of this and move forward. That's why I freaking love EMDR therapy. It is what we recommended to the elite group of people that we coached, Brett and I, when we were mentoring business owners, we would tell people, it was a prerequisite, that in order to work with us, you're gonna have to first go see a therapist because everyone has issues. And that's one of the things that comes up often when you are a business or a life coach, are these past experiences that are beyond your scope. And it's the reason why people are being held back in their marriage, in their life, in their friendships, in their relationships, and in their business because they have these strongly held beliefs. So with EMDR therapy, you can resolve those beliefs in many cases and much quicker and much less painful and uncomfortable. Okay, so let me describe what a session has been like for me. And by the way, Brett has done therapy with Dr. Michaela and other EMDR therapists. I wouldn't see Dr. Michaela personally because we're such good friends. I don't think I could go all the way there. But here's what it was like for me. You're sitting across from your therapist and they ask you if they're a great therapist to, you know, figure out what memory, what belief it is you want to resolve. Like maybe it's I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, it was my fault, I'm bad, whatever your belief is. You find the memory associated with that belief and then depending on the therapist, you might be watching a, a light bar that tracks your eyes. If you follow the light, it'll track your eyes back and forth. At a pretty good tempo, some therapists use a wand or a pencil, others may use bilateral sounds like with headphones, or you'll hold on to, I forget what they're called, but these little, like, I don't know, these little pods that you hold in your hand and they beep back and forth, right, left, right, left, right, left. And the therapist, once you pull up that memory, you don't have to talk about it. In fact, I don't think you talk at all, if I recall, but you track this movement and your eyes track back and forth and back and forth. Now the therapist will watch your eyes for a period of time. It seems To me, that sometimes it would happen, they would watch my eyes for like 20 seconds, and then other times it felt like two, three, four, even I don't know, like several minutes would pass of them just watching my eyes. Now, what they've asked you to pull up and think about is usually the memory associated with the belief. Now, when I did it, I immediately started thinking about anything other than that memory. Like my brain was going to all these different places, and I kept thinking, Am I doing this right? This room is cold. Like your brain just goes everywhere. Minded, anyways. But at a certain point, the therapist will stop you and say, Okay, what just came up for you? And you share what just came up for you, which again, it isn't always directly for you, the layman. It doesn't seem to relate to whatever that memory was. You're like, Yeah, now I, I, that's weird. I was just thinking about this time I went to the mall with my mom. And then they'll say, Okay, now stay with that. Think about that. In essence, you've already kind of like left that memory and now you're, you're thinking about the thing that you just said and they're watching your eyes track again. And you just continue to do that. Oh, I forgot to mention that before you start the whole process, they're going to ask you, a good therapist will, to score your feelings of discomfort or anxiety or how uncomfortable it is for you on a scale of one to 10 to think about this memory. For me, I scored mine as I think a level eight maybe 7 or 8. And then you go through the process and you know, they'll have you start and stop, start and stop, and then by the end of it, my therapist would say, "Okay, so now let's pull up that original memory and I want you to give it a score again. Now, where are you?" And for one of my memories, one that was probably the biggest, in one session I was already back down to a, a level 2. And my therapist was quite confident in with just one more session, I could get it down to like a zero or a one. And sure enough, very, very quickly, next time I came back, we got back to a zero or a one and it's still at a zero or a one. And that's amazing because that wasn't a childhood memory that I had talked about in other therapy sessions, but with just, you know, really one and a half EMDR sessions, I don't feel any sensitivity to it. Like the memory's still there, but I don't feel the same about it. Like she said, I've reprocessed it. You know how two people can be raised in the same family and even experience the same thing and one child will say, you know, it was so traumatic and it was so upsetting and the other, you know, your sibling can be like, what, what are you talking about? That wasn't scary or just have a completely different experience or memory around that incident because they processed it differently. So the memory for both of you is still there, but the way one processes it affects how they move forward. EMDR allows you to reprocess it. Like you don't change the memory, but you change the way you feel the feelings associated with the memory. That's my take on it. I am not a clinician. I am not a therapist. I'm a big fan of one. And yeah, obviously I think EMDR therapy is the Bombay. But the bottom line is this, therapy in general, all therapy is good. You need to talk about it. And if you have children who've had a traumatic experience, Divorce or a death, an unexpected death. If they've had sexual abuse, if they've had any type of situation that you've wondered or worried how it's going to affect them later, don't get them into therapy now. You don't even have to tell them it relates to that. Just allow them to spend some time talking to a therapist is one of the healthiest things you can do as a parent. Recently, I got a message from one of you. And you said, Chalene, I listened to all your shows. I am such a, also a big believer in therapy. My fiance had a horribly horrific childhood and I'm experiencing the ramifications of these unresolved traumas. And he refuses to go to therapy. And I said to her, girl, I know you're trying to save him. I know you love him, but you are looking at a lifetime of pain for yourself. If he's not willing to go to therapy, you are going to be fighting an uphill battle. It is very likely that this person is going to be dealing with addiction, self-loathing, maybe depression, anxiety. They're going to be dealing with a lot more and life could be so much easier. To me, if someone says, I'm unwilling to go to therapy before you marry them, they're telling you, I'm unwilling to grow. I'm afraid of growth. Being afraid is one thing, not being willing to grow is another. I probably should save that for another episode. In fact, let me know you guys, if you'd like some advice on how I think you can get someone you love to go to therapy because it's not everybody's first choice. It's not an easy subject to bring up. You need to go and you know that, but how do you get someone you love to care enough about themselves so that they can have that freedom If that's something you'd like for me to cover in a future episode, hit me up in social media, join our Pod Squad so we can talk about this episode. Again, to join the Pod Squad, you just go to Facebook and just type in Shalene's Pod Squad. You'll find it. You'll find it. I also post it up from time to time on, oh, I know where it's at. If you go to my Instagram, you know, the link in my bio, I put the link in my bio to the Pod Squad. So there you go. You don't even have to search for it. I also hope that those of you who are interested in working with Dr. Michaela, check her out. I mean, I know she's one of my closest, dearest friends. I consider her a sister, but I have seen people fly in from all over the country to work with her because she gets people results fast. She is the best at what she does. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Shalene Show. I love you, I mean it, and I'll talk to you soon.